0: Welcome to the Plus Six Podcast. My name is Pete, and I go by the name of AFL Ratings Pete on Twitter. Joining me on episode eight today is Warning from the Traders. This is part two of this interview, while part one is available on episode seven. I hope you enjoy. How do you approach your buy weeks, and when do you start planning?
1: Uh, well, I guess they're in the back of my head when I'm doing my initial side and structures, but it doesn't really dictate a lot of my calls because um, I guess my belief is that you get to about round five, You still that's when I start thinking about them and that gives you about a dozen trades to get things in order and I don't Mm. think anyone really totally months there. their side that badly or their buy um, structure that badly. They couldn't fix it over that time. But I guess a lot of that then too, we don't know a lot before the season starts, especially with some of the the rookies, like our job security, of those guys. You don't necessarily know who you might be able to ride to the buys. And that's a really important factor in what your rookie, what your buy strategy looks like, your rookie. So um, it is there, but probably from around five, my trades will be dictated around that. And that will be about getting maximum players for each of the rounds. And also, it might mean that, you know, I'm not getting in some of those round um, 12, the first buy round premiums, because that's who I should be targeting later on or at the after their buy.
0: The way I approach the buyers is to, obviously, everyone's most people have got a spreadsheet open and you start tracking uh, rounds 12, 13 and 14 and how many uh, plays you've got on a buy each week. Uh, but uh, what I will do this year is to start planning premium midfielders mm. around those buys in advance. And that's and that will ha- that will have some influence into my round one selection uh, to make the transition easier uh, through the buy weeks.
1: That's right. And I think that's the thing. I probably I didn't mention that there. But I do count up the premium players that I have and not just count. The players that I've got, so um, and then it's the premium players across the lines, and and you know you do a little bit of thinking with the DPP action, with how that might work, and coming into this year with the, the new utility position, how that might be able to work for us a utility bench spot. So um, for anyone that hasn't caught up on that, we've got there the your eighth mid, uh, your, sorry your eight bench spot is now can be picked from any position. So with that, it might just allow us to shuffle players through that spot. Um, and allows to maybe get an extra player on field if you are stacked a little bit heavier in one line or another.
0: It's definitely going to change uh, the strategy around the bye weeks, having pretty much an extra player to float in between a few positions, I guess.
1: Yeah, it's exciting.
0: Will you approach selecting your captain differently in 2020?
1: Oh, well, that was a very interesting conversation you guys had about what Craig did with his team. Um no, because I won't change because my contract says I need to fire Calvin, and that's what <laughs> I will do. So, and it's always him that I can put it back on. But um, I don't know. Yeah, I, I, I don't think I will change it because um, I do trust Cow and his research. I do change every now and then, um, and it might just be a little bit because sometimes with Cow's calculations. Um, Sometimes you can be negative about players that he doesn't have in his side or, or not or not as hot on them as players that he does have in his team. So that's something that I do have a bit of a look at. And it'll be very much matchup based, very much tracking the numbers and what players are doing against um the the teams that they've got that week. So, you know, like obviously Gold Coast is an easy example to be using, but what um, teams have done against them and especially the midfielders and those sorts of things is, is just stuff to know and to see the trends of that sort of thing. So I will back Calvin's research in most of the time. That's what I've got. The only other thing that I will, I guess, look at is just the vice captain stuff. I'm quite conservative with my... VC options, I'll take almost anything over 110 at times because mm. of where I'm looking, but um, but yeah, I don't like to, I don't know, I'm not a huge gambler, i prefer to take the each way favourite, and that's uh, take the favourite each way there, and I'll, and I'll stick with that, I'll just roll with a 110 plus, because points in the bank, and I think it is because of what's happened to me in the past, I have been burnt big time with stuff like that, not taken a score, and then I've copped a 50. (laughs) It hurts pretty badly.
0: I guess when you're obviously referring to our discussion on episode one of the Plus Six podcast when we discussed Craig uh, the overall winner from last year uh, through (laughs) rounds to 117 he was averaging 129 at the captain's spot (laughs) which was fantastic Uh, and declining scores of 122 (laughs) points from Jake Lloyd early in the season I mean uh, that was very aggressive Um, but obviously if you're trying to um, track towards uh, being a contender for overall winner, these are the decisions you're going to actually have to make.
1: And, and then is that one of those things, I guess it is the aggressive training, but like I've mentioned, you know, luck's on your side when, that pulls, when you pull that off because quite easily, and we've seen it plenty of times, that you can actually, um, yeah, it can work out the other way. And that did happen for Craig actually during the season as well. We saw um, he had his Patrick Cripps week where he had the the fifty on against um, against Gold Coast when everything was pointing towards the direction of a, a one sixty again, but that's where it was.
0: One of the key takeaways um, uh, for playing fantasy for many years is that when you're establishing your round one team, mm-hmm. is to uh, and when in relation to captain selections is to have as many captain options as possible early in the season yep so that gives you more flexibility than person the person behind you or the person next to you um so obviously when you're selecting your teams uh, when you're thinking of not selecting brodie grundy but he's a player that you might want to select as captain so therefore i would actually prioritize starting him at round one um, over someone else that is uh, possibly more value, but may not be a captain selection from week to week. Um, so early in the season, when when we're chasing big captain scores, we need to have as many options as possible. So that's a bit of a unique look. Um, maybe maybe not even unique. It's a different way to approach it. Is to have you know four, five, six guys in your team that in any one week, based on matchup, uh, that you can select as captain.
1: Definitely. And I think that's one of the big reasons for $906,000 for a Baraday Grundy is actually a small price to pay when you get two
0: of a... him. Uh, yeah, absolutely. Uh, he's he's one player that I'm, I'm 99.99 recurring that, um, <laughs> that I am starting with at round one. And that is mainly, you referenced um, he is not value early in the podcast and that's correct. I've got him at around 120 to 122 uh, projected points for the season to average so he doesn't provide that value but what he does provide is um a captain option so Mm. when when you're exactly saying when you're spending over 900k and you're getting two of him um that's one thing to lock in and you don't want to be chasing that i don't think throughout the season that's right and that draws us into our next question at this stage are you a set and forget grundy Gone type of guy, or an alternative starting ruck combo at round one in 2020?
1: Uh, well, I'm a definite set on Grundy. I don't think I'm a bit like you, the 99.9, but, um, yeah, he'll definitely be there. But I'm definitely, well, at this point, definitely not going to be touching Gorn. Um Not because I really think there's any issues with him maintaining that one eleven or whatever it was average Um, probably just because there are a couple of question marks I suppose Um, you know we can read the articles and say that Bruce has dropped eight kilos and wants to get into the ones and all that sort of stuff but they also did draft um, Luke Jackson and he could potentially get some games so I don't Mm -hmm. think that's a huge issue for me like um, when I'm doing my draft rankings I've clearly got gone at number two so I'm not stressing on that but we can possibly find some value and I'm not sure what that value does look like for me at the moment like um there's the the super value in someone like a source and a nicknap not a huge fan of nicknap um as an option even though I can see the upside I don't know if it's enough upside a source I like as an option but um there's question marks there and I think this is almost a, a thing for the whole season coming up is you can almost tell yourself a story about every single player pro or con for them, um, but yeah, I just, I i like how cheap those guys are, but there are some question marks, mm-hmm. so it's probably looking a little bit more, like I'm like a Riley O'Brien, as long as um, he does maintain, obviously, that number one rap role, which he will, but if he doesn't have anyone around him, because I think there's upside even with him in the mid-90s. So he could be a 100-plus player and, and bridge that gap between he and gone. So I like that. But then it's another one mm. that I am interested in. So I think the key will be I want a guy that is their number one ruck and probably doesn't have any competition. That's what might um, cross off a knick for me um, based on that. And obviously... Um, he does have limited time on ground and maybe that's what they're just going to do to manage him for the rest of his career, not just um, what we've seen the last season or two. Um, And then that might be the issue with Source as well because um, the big fella may not play every game and and although you are buying sort of a mid-price guy that's not a keeper for you, you still need him probably to almost get through to that buy, I reckon, because that's what you'd be thinking. And so if he's getting a rest there in round seven or eight that would be an issue for what you're doing and he wouldn't have the coin behind him possibly to to do what you want to do and then it upsets all of your strategy that you sort of had around that. So that's what I'm probably more likely to go with my r who was like a Riley O'Brien or a Scott Lycett. Um Very much a Marsh series watch on those guys.
0: I guess, uh, and it's back in our early discussions, is it uh, fading Gorn at round one? It's not that you want to fade Gorn at round one. Is it, you need to look at the other spots in your team. So owning, yeah. owning Gorn is, is, you know, you potentially might have to miss out on a Whitfield in your forward line, or you potentially might have to um, pay really cheap at uh, midfielder in a mid pricer rather than get a premium. Um, or is it? A, you know, are you missing out on Jake Lord in a defensive spot? So uh, they, it's not just as easy as saying, "Oh, we we should lock in Gorn and Grundy." Um, I'll keep an open mind but um, I mean if you're starting both of those that's a significant part of your salary cap um, locked mm. in and I and, know and scores are pretty much locked in um, but that's pretty much a significant part of your salary cap and it does restrict other parts of your round one team.
1: That's right and then of course there is the buy thinking around it as well.
0: Mm. Definitely the buy structure with Gorn and Grunier having the same buy they play the Queen's birthday Monday and then follow up with a buy. So having that extra play and going with twenty-one players uh, for that for that week is definitely um, something to consider uh, in your planning for round one and also your buy structure. Exactly. What type of team structure are you looking at this season?
1: Uh, well, I guess I'll keep my philosophy of picking players with value. I think that's where I'll be looking. i predominantly go guns and rookies, but see if I can milk a few extra dollars by getting those underpriced guys. And of course, like this year, we've got some players at uh, immense value in a a Sam Doherty and Tom Mitchell, like they're saving us a fair bit of coin um, with what, with where their price. So um, I don't think there's, there's not really any issue i've got with selecting those like some people might try to try to create a narrative about why not to pick them but i think they're must-haves um that we can almost call keepers in our side so um without any without any we're not stretching too hard to say that so i'll just be looking for those guys probably even some of those um guys that have like uh, in my philosophy is that have been premiums before and just want to pick up you know, getting them priced at under 100 that I expect 105 to 110 from. Or, uh, yeah, you know, the the players from last year that all worked for those top 10 guys that we did see, so many of them didn't pick really anyone priced at probably more than 105, I don't think, let alone over 100. So mm. that was the thing, yeah. So that's what I'll be looking for. Um, I think there's there's it's such an interesting season coming up. Um, I think I mentioned before that you could almost tell yourself a story about every player, positive and negative. And that's something, especially in the forward line, where we have been decimated with the players with their DPP. That's clearly changed a fair bit. But um, but I'm thinking that, you know, there's opportunity there for a lot of these mid-price players, all the guys that will just be a top position player for their line. And I think that the gap between... Um, one and ten and one and twenty of the forwards might be smaller than it has been in the past. So or I probably should say the gap between, you know, number five forward and number ten forward or five forward and number twenty forward will be closer than I think it has been in the past. So it's gonna open up a few more unique options um, and we do get an we will get an opportunity to have a bit of a crack there um, for some unique picks I think.
0: Uh, My round one team structure is slowly building as we go. Once again, I'll keep an open mind towards the end of uh, the preseason. I will, at some stage, um, allow rookies to potentially dictate uh, a bit of a move in that team structure. Uh, But I'm looking towards uh, some midfielders and having uh, potentially an additional premium to start the season. All
1: right that's where the uh utility position could help a bit because often we get more uh midfield rookies and when you try to squeeze one of those onto your field there mm. um because they're there so now you've got an opportunity with that sort of you can get a third bench midfield rookie into your side so that will be where a lot of people will be thinking with that too i do like that idea i think um a lot of it too and this might be what sounds strange i actually don't have a team on paper at the moment i don't have anything done as yet. You know, i've just got a copious amount of players that are on my watch list in different ways, so they're all uh, they're all there, but I don't actually have a team set as a structure. It's sort of very much uh, open with what that is. I need more information at this point.
0: Oh, no doubt, and we're only early in the preseason. I mean, we we're only mid January right here, and obviously towards the end uh, end of preseason and, and at round one, uh, plenty of things will change between now and and, and that round one.
1: Yeah. Exactly, it's the uh, Marsh series <laughs> will change everything once
0: again. Too. In terms of data, what numbers are you looking at for your for your round one team, and also trades throughout the season?
1: Yeah, well, I guess leading up to round one and. Like I said, I don't have a team on paper at the moment, but I do like looking at the previous numbers. That's really important, especially for the guys that um, I'm trying to highlight as underpriced. So it might be that they've been um, at a certain level a season or two ago, so that's um, something that I look at. I like looking at the ceiling of players because that can help me um, decide between certain players. And I guess um, the thing is, but what I do like to do with that Um, This is the data that, I guess, is the most important part to me, is is look at reasons why um, players might have scored really well or scored really poorly and see what that... and project what that means for the new season. So, um, you know, you look at a player and go, oh, what an awesome run of form, or they finished averaging, you know, 130 points in the last 10 rounds or whatever, and you try to work out why that happened and is there a chance of that to continue for next year? So that's probably the data that I look at a little bit more... um, than sort of even as simple as you know the, uh, a progression and all that sort of stuff. I do look at reasons why players scored like they are and, and who was in, who was out of the team when all of that was happening. So that's probably the big one that I look at at this point of the season. And then I guess as the pre-season progresses, the March series numbers are good. Now, Like looking at those, and we do get all excited. I think half of that's just for the banter and the content around that um, about things, but why players scored like that as well in the marsh series so looking at things like the center bounce attendances and that's something that i hope that we get more data on this year um not only in the preseason but throughout the season as well because that really helps dictate and it helps us as as fans of the game not even just fantasy fans understand players roles so that's something that um i'd like to see more of but um i think the key in the preseason is trusting your eyes, so watching the game. So not just looking at the score at the end of it or looking at how many um, disposals or marks, oh, yeah, you tackled well, you must be in for a big season, watching it and seeing why things happen. So um, question yourself. And this is almost a very much a, a nice little f- philosophy for life as well, is that, you know, Feel for You've got to question things. You've got to w- work out why. Why is that said or why is that happening? And this is with the news that we get around some of these players in this pre-season as well. So, um, yeah, asking yourself why and what that then looks like when you're projecting
0: that forward. Do you get influence or will you be influenced by ownership at Round 1?
1: A little bit, but not too much because I still – I'm a bit of a believer of, um, of players are popular for a reason and um, – they they can be popular because they are just the right pick. There is some, though, that I would look, and it probably happens more during the season that I'd change my thinking of ownership, not so much from round one, because I don't believe you lose the season from round one. Um, so with those sorts of selections, I don't think it would really hurt you. And sometimes having that higher ownership player um, can definitely help you, especially if it is with the risk-type factor that comes with it. So, oh, yeah, I'm, I, it's a good question. It doesn't really affect me too much or it doesn't influence me picking a player um, ownership because half the time you know, we sort of joke about this, are they popular because we just talked them up too much and they're <laughs> just copying what we're doing. We're going, have we just made a mess of this ourselves? So, um, yeah, but I think, um, yeah, I don't think it really affects me too much but it does during the season, of course.
0: Uh, throughout the season, obviously, uh, the top 100 through Eric, um, mm. that, the, that, that is the important- Essential reading. That is the important piece of uh, information that you need to pay attention to if you are challenging for overall winner to find those unique premium type players because that can set your team apart from others.
1: Yeah, and that's that's really important and I'd love it to be part of the game one day where you can sort of filter the ownership stuff within the game and, and get the, the ideas around that and see what people are around your ranking and those sorts of things too that, to help you get a bit of an idea of, of what that ownership is because, you know, they're not... When you see the overall ownership figures, and this is where Eric's work is um, absolutely invaluable, um, the, the whole ownership isn't a true reflection, especially mm. as the season draws on
0: I guess I guess the way I think about it um, at round one, obviously during the season whenever he starts to post that data, you can have a good look at it. But at, prior to round one, I, I try to envisage about you know there's five to ten thousand people with a legitimate chance to win overall. What mm-hmm. are they thinking? And that and that's not only um, listening to the traders and absorbing other content out there uh, to see what the most popular players are and you know then it's a decision to make okay this player is popular but you know i could see some issues here i might not choose that player or the other way around yeah this is a player that i'm not going to move move away from so um that that is important piece of information so trying to gather those people you follow on social media um and what, what are they thinking and to, to try and gauge ownership at round one uh to see see how that looks and, and to Potentially use that as information to select your round one team.
1: That's right, and yeah, I think at the end of the day, um, you've got to you've got to just understand your information. This is again another life lesson: is that mm-hmm. yeah, look at your sources and work out what they are um, when you are getting that getting those ideas, especially with advice around some things. So that's something that um, I'd be looking at because. If you do go unique for the sake of going unique and you're sort of getting a little bit of a pat on the back for doing that sort of thing, I think that sometimes that can have you coming unstuck because it could be hard to correct some of those moves sometimes.
0: Risk reward, um, and not only that, it is um, uh, trusting that the people who, who provide information, and that's good information, not just, you know, I get one pick right at every 10, <laughs> uh, yeah, but it's just trusting the information and and, and Obviously, if, you know you can follow it, or it just might be part of your package that you you use to make your own decisions.
1: Yeah, and don't have crack at me or, Cal or Roy if we get it wrong because we get plenty wrong. Um, we're just uh, we're just the same as you
0: guys. That's well, a thing. Well, the, that's a thing, and we discussed <laughs> with, a, with an opinion. <laughs> yeah, well, that's a thing we discussed earlier is that you know. Uh, even Craig and Selby's team, they didn't get every trade perfect. So throughout the season, I mean, if anyone's posting on social media that they can have a perfect season in AFL Fantasy Classic, well, they're kidding themselves.
1: And oh, it's so easy as well. That's the other thing I love from people.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: <laughs> You've got two trades are so easy. Yeah.
0: <laughs> How important is it for you to pay attention to correct news and injury updates throughout an AFL season?
1: yeah and that's it and it's, I guess coming back to you trusting your sources, you need to look at that and I think part of it is sort of um reading through and understanding what clubs are saying when they're putting information out there. That's one thing, but I know well at a f l ratings is what I do like to uh follow along because very much fact-based, and that's the really important thing with what you've got. And so then you can make your decisions based on those things, rather than too much opinion. And I, well, I put opinion out there all the time, and I, I don't sort of shirk away from that at all either. But um, but very much get your facts, and then you make your call based around that. So, um, the correct news and injury, the correct news of injuries, like that's something that is an issue in the AFL. Um, but you know. I guess we, we do have a lot of people reporting on different things now, so you can probably get a bit of an idea of who's got better strike rates and stuff, but um, you've got to, at the end of the day, trust your gut a little bit more, um, and that's something that is, a, is an issue with our trades week to week because we can not know going into lockout what, what the goal is.
0: I guess the, the most important part is there's trying to be as accurate as possible. That's what I try to do on Twitter yeah. on uh, AFL Ratings is that um and and obviously then to become a trusted source of information um what i found last year tracking all the news was that potentially some of the stuff put out on twitter uh, by afl clubs wasn't necessarily accurate Mm. um in regards to okay they might post something on twitter but then i generally go back and listen to a press conference and some some of the comments on twitter can be out of context they definitely, yeah, I've noticed that a lot. Um, a couple of teams that I highlighted last year is that I won't post that information until I'm looking at that press conference and understanding yeah, yeah, yeah. what context it, it is in because it can actually mean the opposite to what you're posting out, out on Twitter in the first place. So that's pretty important stuff to, to acknowledge, is that, you know information and accurate information and these are coming from clubs and it's not to um push on clubs or at any stage here whatsoever but it's to actually understand from a fantasy perspective uh what is the correct information and how that is going to impact uh, potentially players in your team
1: yeah and uh, at the end of the day too we see a lot of clickbait stuff as well which and that's what we often see on social media as headlines so um yeah it is important um Marsh series, you know, you want to be checking out all of that, watch every single press conference, after the games. I know that you always do that, Pete, and that's something that I've done a lot more in the last couple of years because you pick up bits of info, whether that's about injuries or little niggles that players have, and, and that does come into your starting selection. You don't want to be picking up a guy that, you know, isn't training as much during the week because he's got a niggle because that puts him, you know, you're better off going the more safer guy and stuff like that. Um, but also, you know, you, that's where you learn about different roles and things as well. So when you're hearing it from the, the horse's mouth, not just Longmire, but um, just any coach, when you're hearing it from them, that's where you, you learn a lot. And so listen to press conference. Listen to some of these radio interviews, you know. Um, this week we've heard that Hinckley's basically said he expects all three of their rookies to debut this year. So like they did last year, I don't know how much I can read into that, but we know that they're gonna be there and and we need to get more information about them and work out when and how they might fit into their side. So um, that's one of the things, because sometimes you you might write off those players, but now you've gotta have and arm yourself with the information that you need based on those calls.
0: I guess one of the tips and tricks that people on Twitter may use is to um, use a couple of the functions on Twitter, and use it to to enhance your knowledge. Uh, for example, if you are uh, onto the AFL website, or AFL um, Twitter account, or even AFL ratings, or DT Talk, or AFL Fantasy, is to put is to actually create a list on Twitter, mm-hmm. and then have that news feed flow throughout the day or even over the weeks, then you can go back and ref- refresh and just have a look what it, um, what it, what news is being presented to you. And obviously you need a bit of a checklist, so give it a favorite along the way, so you know at what point that you can pick yeah. it up and put it down, uh, that, okay, you favoured all these, so I've got that information, I've um, processed that, and then you can pick it up in a day or two weeks' time over pre-season, and just to catch up on the information, because over the pre-season and into round one, information is quite critical.
1: That's right. And, you know, following stuff like Pete, you, you give great um, analysis on um, injuries and just even for the, the, the stats of it or the, the knowledge around it as well. That's really important. And that's the thing, you, your Twitter list stuff's really important. Like I, I have um, TweetDeck on my desktop, so mm. sort of got that running. And that, um, that does help me understand what information. Um, I need to have almost at my fingertips or whatever, but you're also you're getting a bit of opinion through some of that stuff as well, which is uh, quite interesting to be tracking. And, and we've always got to keep learning. We always learn in this game, and and every season is different too. It's not like it's uh, you know rinse and repeat with this. And I think that's that's probably one of the things where the two trades per week has enhanced that. Is that it makes it more different every single year. It's not sort of the same old formula um, of playing the game. It changes
0: season to season. Yeah, Twitter lists are a wonderful resource. Um, I use them every day, um, all day, every day. Uh, They're fantastic. Let's move on now uh, to our last question on the podcast. What is your realistic finishing target for 2020? Uh, What would be considered a pass and fail?
1: Well, realistic. Uh, Top 10? No. (laughs) I don't know. It's a really hard one to answer that one. Top 1,000 always makes you feel... Fairly good, but then again, sometimes I've been you know on the edge of that and just think I could have been so much better, all that sort of stuff. So, I think the hat is a really good marker. So, that top 100 is a nice way to be thinking. I've had a couple of top 100 finishes in my history a couple of years ago, 2018, I was 137th overall. So, Mm. um, so sitting inside that top 100, I think that's where I I feel like I've had a really successful season. I think top two or three hundred. I think you are feeling like you've had a successful season. Um, but definitely the top 100, especially now with a hat, I think that just adds to it and makes that a real target of what we want to try to be getting. So, yeah, I think actually if I was really to put a number on it, probably top 300 is where I feel like I've, I've had a successful season. But I think the top 100 does add that little bit of extra to it now.
0: I guess for me it would be just top five hundred. That's the target to set to yep. sit out with. And obviously, if you have a, a good kickstart to the season and you're 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 tracking quite well, is that obviously then you're looking at top one hundred. And then obviously, uh, the goal is actually to contend and to be in contention. Uh, I had a few followers uh, last year that were in contention. That you know it. it starts to weigh heavily on them. So, yeah, it does. So, so you're actually, the stress levels start to go up and you, you're thinking ahead. But I guess then that's just time to actually just to refocus and just go through your process of trading correctly edge week.
1: Yeah, now a couple of guys um, from quite a few years ago, um, they sort of gave up the years that they... Had really successful seasons. I, uh, I had one mate, Jonathan. He um, was sitting first for quite a while, like ten weeks or so, I think. And um, he basically didn't play again after that because mm. of um, because of what that did to his brain. Another guy. Uh, <laughs> Ron Schell, um, we shot a pilot, it was 2011 we did that one and um, he was one of the guests on there and he was frazzled. He was on top for quite a while and then choked it up at the end and I don't like to call it choked it up but lost it at the end um, after looking so good and he's never played again since. So that's the sort of stuff which it does take away some of your enjoyment of the game with how that goes as well. So um, yeah, I don't know what almost the point of say that is, but it's kind of like going, you know, it does consume you a fair bit when you are up that high and sometimes it does uh, mess with your mind a little bit.
0: I do offer cancelling sh- sessions throughout, <laughs> throughout the season, uh, generally midweek or late late in the week when injury news breaks, uh, for those to vent their anger or frustration or, or tears. Uh, you had plenty of
1: them last year too.
0: Yeah, tr- drinks and food will be supplied. <laughs> uh, but yeah, it, you know, it can be frustrating at times. But I think the enjoyment for me out of out of the season, each season, and, and the, just the challenge to you know put yourself through um, some some genuine thinking um, is actually the enjoyment for me. I think every
1: bit of frustration is part of why you enjoy it because it's that problem solving, it's that challenging mm. type thing. I think that's what. That's why we play it because, yeah, you do have to think. You do you do get your brain working and you get to do it watching footy. And that's why we play fantasy footy because we love footy first and foremost. So um, fantasy has definitely added to my experience and my love of footy. Um, so, yeah, I think that most people will I'd assume that a lot of people are in the same boat.
0: Excellent. Well, that just about wraps up our podcast, uh, Mr. Warren. Um, Well, thanks, Pete,
1: for having me. It's been very fun. It's always nice to talk about fantasy footy, especially with a great mind like yourself. I always learn things whenever I speak with you. It's a shame Jeff wasn't here too, because I could have doubled my uh, value for the counselling
0: session. Definitely. um, So the other thing that I'm interested in is to to make sure that you don't beat me in overall rank this year. Again, again. Yeah, that's costing me a pineapple. I don't want to go there again.
1: multiple times um yeah even considering my year was so bad last year this is the thing though we always talk about um almost how our season's bad and we talked about our realistic finishing targets the thing is the top fifteen thousand people know what they're doing at least So so if you're finishing inside that sort of range you've had a lot of people can have some very bad luck still be trying to do everything right and following good strategy Still finish that sort of thing, so, people We're always very close to each other, but for some reason, I always end up just in front.
0: Last year, I was absolutely crushing you, and then uh, you were. Well, once the, once you reach reek, uh, over the bye weeks, um, then it actually, you you, <laughs> you, pu- you puffed the chest out
1: a little bit there too. You, oh, you had it in the
0: bag. I was actually at some stage on on, on Twitter DM. I was actually typing in <laughs> it's over, and I thought just in case I better not send this. And then uh, the next two weeks, two, or three weeks, it actually you'd hit the front from absolutely nowhere. So you, you, you dragged about, you know, it's two or three thousand ranks on me in two or three weeks. So that's it, how easy it can turn once you re some trades.
1: Definitely. I reckon next year you just need to have a have a bet with Calvin, then you'll get your money back.
0: Captain Cal. <laughs> righty. Well, thanks again for joining the podcast, uh, Mr. Warner. Uh, We wish you all the best, obviously not as good as me, uh, for the 2020 season and for Kel and Rory as well. Uh, We hope you have uh, a successful season at AFL Fantasy HQ.
1: Cheers, Pete. We're all just about ready to click go on it and make it all happen for what will be another fun year.
0: Okay, mate. Take care. Thanks, mate. That is it for Episode 8 of the Plus 6 Podcast. Jeppa will return in the not too distant future as we navigate our way through the 2020 preseason. Before we close this podcast, if you would like a chance of scoring a plus six podcast cap, just retweet any podcast link that is sent out on Twitter. We'll give a few away towards the end of preseason. On that note, we'll wrap up this podcast. Thanks for tuning in.